middle of a series that we're simply calling Christmas Angels. And I want to um, talk to you about uh, that subject again today. And I want to ask you a question as we get started, and it's simply this. Does God ever communicate through dreams? In other words, when you're sleeping and um, you are snoozing away, maybe you look like that, I don't know. But uh, does God communicate through dreams? Now, I'm careful in answering this, to be honest with you, because I need for you to know that God can communicate in a variety of ways, but His primary way of communicating with us today is through the Bible, His Holy Word. So that's His primary way of communicating. So if you want to hear from God, simply open your Bible and read, and you'll be listening to the Word of God. But we know that uh, there are a variety of ways that God may speak to our hearts and speak to us. Uh, different means that he may use. The primary way, of course, is his word. But then we know that the Bible teaches that God communicates through his creation. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And so when people look out, I mean, obviously, when you look out upon creation, certainly there must be a creator. These things did not just appear on their own. They did not just evolve from nothing. So we know that God communicates through his creation. And what amazing creation he has made. And then we know the Bible says that God speaks through his Son. It says in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, God who at various times and in various ways... Thought that was going to happen. Spoken the time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us, thank you, by his Son, whom is appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And so God speaks through his Son. And then we know likewise that he speaks through the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. Sometimes we might describe this as a still small voice, not an audible voice, but maybe an impression, or God impresses upon your heart to. Um, do something, to say something, to, to go somewhere, to, to speak to someone, to pray for someone. And the Bible says in John 16, 13, However, when he, that is the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And so God speaks through his word, he speaks through creation, he speaks through his son, he speaks through his spirit. When you continue to think about ways that God communicates with us, we know that God will sometimes speak to us through other believers. You ever had another believer come up and tell you something, and it was the word that you needed for that point in your life. You were maybe praying for direction, praying for encouragement, praying for whatever, and God sends a believer to you, and that believer speaks a word into your life, and God is speaking, in a sense, through that. It may be a word uh, from the actual Bible. It may be a word of encouragement. You know, all truth is God's truth. And sometimes I know people have spoken to my life. I think about one in individual. I've never seen him, but I think one time, never spoke to him, but one time I was at a pastor's conference. And at the pastor's conference, you would eat with various people. You just sat whenever you came along. They sat you at tables. And I remember this older pastor. He was from Tennessee, I believe it was. And we were talking. And he, he just he said some words. I don't know why he said them. I don't know really what prompted it, I guess. I, I kind of know the train of thought. But, but what he said just struck me. I've never forgot it. Never seen him since. God will speak to you through other believers. We know God also will speak through circumstances. 
Things come up in your life and, and maybe you're praying for direction or you find yourself in a place and God speaks to you in some way through circumstances. We know that as you're praying, sometimes the Lord may speak a word into your heart as, as if we'll be quiet enough to listen. And then I, as I was kind of going through the list and, and studying this, I hadn't thought about adding this to the list, but I don't know why because God has done it in my life so much. God oftentimes will speak uh, through music. Uh, even today, as we've been singing songs and we've been singing hymns and, and singing the truth, and, and God uses music in a powerful way. Now, I've got to caution you because I need you to know that if God speaks to you in some other way than through directly His Word, whatever He says is always going to line up with His Word. God never will lead you contrary to His Word. You cannot say that God told you to do something that goes contrary to the written Word of God. If it's God speaking, He's going to be consistent in what He says to you, whether you're reading a Bible, reading a devotional, reading a Sunday school literature, another believer speaking to your life, you hear a song. If it's truly the Lord speaking to your life, it's going to be consistent with the Word of God. He will never lead contrary to His Word. In fact, the Bible says even if an angel is the one speaking. We're thinking about angels, and we've been looking at angels. Even if an angel were to speak to you, if what is said is not in line with the Word of God, don't listen to it. In fact, Galatians 1.8 says it this way, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So even if an angel were to come and communicate with you, if what the angel says is not consistent with the Word of God, don't listen to it. Because you're probably dealing with a fallen angel. But maybe you're thinking, but preacher, you asked us at the very beginning, the original question was, does God ever communicate with us through dreams? When we're snoozing along and drooling on our pillows at night and our hair is disheveled, does God ever speak to us at that time? And my answer simply is this, yes, if he chooses to do so. Now, I don't think it's the norm today. I don't think you should go looking for it. But if God chooses to speak to you through a dream, He certainly can do that. And I don't think maybe we should even desire that or seek that while we have a Bible in our hands and the Holy Spirit residing in us. But if God wants to, He can communicate to us in dreams. In fact, I bring this up because what we're going to find today is that very thing happening. God is communicating through dreams. We're going to see it happening in the passage today in Matthew. Go ahead and find Matthew chapter 1 if you haven't already. And in this, God only speaks through dreams. He sends angels to communicate in these dreams. And not just one time, but multiple times. So if you will find Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verses 18 through 25. Then we're going to go to chapter 2, read verses 13 through 15 and then 19 through 23. If you brought up in church, if you've been around church, uh, these are not uh, unfamiliar words to you, but I want you to look at this in relationship to God speaking to Joseph here and how he speaks to him and how he uses dreams and angels in those dreams to communicate truth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and they did not know her, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, if you need to turn the page, go ahead and get to chapter 2. And now, in between what we just read and what we're about to read, the wise men come. All right? We just sang about them. And the wise men come. And look at verse 13 of, of Matthew chapter 2. Now, when they had departed, that is the wise men, and uh, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. And then, we won't read it today, but you have that horrible account of Herod killing all those beautiful children. And his rage and his jealousy. Then drop down to verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now you've noticed in those two chapters that Joseph has had four dreams. And three of them were told specifically that an angel of the Lord appeared to, them, uh, appeared to him in the dream and communicated with him. And the fourth one, we're not told that, but I think maybe we could assume that's what happened. We would assume an angel was involved in that one as well. I find it fascinating that angels can appear in dreams. Now, we shouldn't be surprised about that because we studied in our very first message, the Angels 101, we know that angels are spirits. They're not bound by the same boundaries we are and the physical boundaries that we have. And so they can appear in dreams. Now, who was this angel? We've been spending a lot of time with the angel Gabriel, but here we honestly don't know who this angel is and, and which angel it is that we're dealing with. But what we do know is what the angel told Joseph in these dreams. Now, I want to think about these messages that Joseph received in his dreams and I want you to notice that the angels here, uh, they, they, they provide three needs that this young family had. Three needs this young family had. First of all, Joseph needed correction. Joseph needed correction. Now, now, Joseph is not the main character of the Christmas story by any stretch of the imagination, but he plays a vital role. In fact, Joseph is an incredible man. In fact, I think he's one of the unsung heroes of the story. He was betrothed. Now, remember in that day, in that culture, Mary and Joseph would have been uh, teenagers most likely, very young. 
Betrothal, we think about like engagement, but it was much more um, serious than that. It would require divorcement to end it. It wasn't just throwing the ring back at him and telling him to drop dead, you know, meathead or anything. I mean, it was a serious thing. And, and all of a sudden, they're betrothed before they come together, before the marriage is consummated, before all that's completed, she's pregnant. And, and you know, there's just one way that happens that we're aware of, and, and Joseph knew that he was not the father, so the only logical conclusion is that Mary has been unfaithful. But the, the, the interesting thing here is, we're not dealing with the natural here, we're dealing with the supernatural. Now, Joseph was a, a loving man, had a loving character. I, I, I love it here where it says he didn't want to publicly shame Mary. He didn't want to call attention to this. He didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to put her in harm's way. So he decided to quietly divorce her, to quietly put her away. And he needed some help. In reality, he needed correction. He needed to understand that what you're thinking happened didn't happen at all. And what you're thinking about Mary is nowhere near the truth. He needed to know it was not only okay to take Mary to be his wife, it was a privilege to do so. Go back to chapter 1. Look at verses 20 and 21. Matthew 1, 20 and 21. But while he thought about these things, I imagine, you know, I can kind of see him there, can't you? I mean, man, you're looking forward to your life with your wife and when you get it close and all of a sudden she's, she turns up pregnant and you're not sleeping while you're tossing and turning. You finally drift off to sleep and just, uh, you know, just exhaustion. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is, is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and not just any son. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when Joseph woke up that morning. You talk about jumping for joy, jumping out of bed. Joseph readily obeyed the message Verse 24 says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Now in the next scene, when you talk about the wise men, you've got to remember something important. When the wise men come, we're no longer in the stable. We're no longer there with little baby Jesus in the manger. In fact, if you notice in chapter 2, verse 11, we're in a house. We're in a house at this point. And Jesus is there. And the wise men come in and they bring their gifts. And interestingly enough, they too had a dream. Did you remember that? In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, then they, I mean, then being divinely warned in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. And so God sent a dream to the wise men. Don't go back to Herod. Uh, go another way. They didn't even realize it here. But, but Joseph needed correction. But this young family needed direction for what they were to do next. Where they should go. God knew that Herod was up to no good. So the family needed direction. They needed next steps. And, and what are they told here? Well, they're told to arise... Take the young child. Remember, we're in a house. We, we fast forwarded from just the manger scene now. We have the young child to Egypt to escape from Herod's wrath and the killing of all these little precious children. God gives clear direction. And on the trip to Egypt, he, he gave clear directions. 
And when it was time to return, he gave clear directions. And they returned to the land of Israel, but eventually they ended up, by God's direction, to a city called Nazareth. And all of this was done, why? Because Jesus needed protection. Jesus needed protection. Now, it's interesting. I find this very interesting. I was thinking about this. This is God. Jesus is God. He's always been. He's eternal. He was God before he was robed in flesh. He's God after he's robed in flesh. He's always been God. He always will be God. He's eternal. He's the creator. He's almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. And yet we find that he humbled himself and he did not come as uh, you know, a reigning king when he came in his first advent. He came as a crying baby. Now, what do we know about newborns? They're totally helpless. I've never, I get the privilege, at least pre-pandemic, and now I think we probably can go again, but except for the pandemic, I get the privilege, I get to go see all these new little born children. In fact, a lot of the children here, I, I, I came and visited you in the hospital. You were here at that time. Not once have I ever walked in a room and I woke up and said, hey, Pastor Rodney. <laughs> Not once. Why? Because they're totally helpless. Totally dependent. And they seem as fragile as can be. And, and there they are. And they have to have help with everything. That's the way Jesus chose to come and become the God-man. He could have, and, and he could have been supernaturally protected from Herod. And, and he was. And he, and, he, and he did protect him. But he did not lead him in the path of Herod's henchmen. Because he had... God had entrusted Jesus to Mary and Joseph. And he removed the family entirely from the horrible scene. And even on the return trip, he directed them to just the right place. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there's a very important point I want to make, and it's this. In all of these angelic messages, in all of these dreams, every one of them was in line with the Word of God. Every message that Joseph received, the family received, was in line with the Word of God. Let me show you what I mean. In Matthew 1, 22 and 23. So all this was done that it might be, watch this, fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, by the way, this is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So there's an angelic dream, if you will, the message is given, it's communicated, and it is in perfect line with the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. In Matthew 2, 15. Remember what we read? And they were there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. That's Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. We come down to the other dream, Matthew 2, 23. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Probably referring to Isaiah 53.3, where it says that he would be despised and rejected of men. Because you remember when you get over to the book of John, and Jesus is walking along, and in John 1.46 they said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He was despised. He was rejected. Obviously, angels who are messengers of God are going to bring messages that line up with God's Word. Even speaking of salvation, in chapter 1, verse 21, it says, He will save His people from their sins. 
It's always the word of God that's wrong. These prophecies, these promises that were made, we're seeing them fulfilled. We're seeing that God is using his ministering servants, these angels, to deliver these messages to Joseph and to the family. And so therefore, prophecy can be fulfilled. And Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies concerning his birth and all through. And by the way, even those that have not yet been fulfilled, they will be fulfilled every single one exactly as they were prophesied. Because God is always faithful to his word. Now, as I think about the word, I think about these prophecies, I think about these promises that were fulfilled. I thought about us. I got an email this past week that said this. Gift cards are a popular... uh, item for Christmas season. I mean, when you got somebody, you don't know what else to give them. You give them a gift card or you give them um, money or whatever. But the interesting thing was this. It said that a lot of people have unused gift cards lying around. In fact, the 2021 study revealed that the average person in the United States has about, you ready for this, $116 in unspent gift cards. How about you? Got any unused gift cards laying around the house? I'll stop by and get them after we're done. <laughs> I opened my drawer and looked and see what I had from gift cards. I've been I've given some lately. People are so kind. I have two in my drawer, two of my favorites. The family of church gave me one of my favorite places, Smithfield's Chicken and Barbecue. Closest thing I can find to back home, what we eat back home. The other one is another favorite place, Texas Roadhouse. I'm going to use all of those gift cards. (laughs) Not going to waste a penny of them. But I got to thinking about this. Imagine that you got $116 in gift cards just laying around the house. But they are no value to you, really, if you're not going to use them. I mean, they're just there, but you're not going to use them. And I thought about the Word of God. I thought about these prophecies and these promises that God has given to us. I thought about how many precious promises that God has given to us that are lying there that we just don't use. Because when it comes to these messages that these angels gave to, or maybe just one angel, it may have been different angels, but the the messages that he got from the angels here, Joseph, the things that they need are the same things we need. Um, We need correction. We need direction. We need protection. And we've got all of that right here in the Word of God. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. We need correction in our life because the world screams at us its messages and it tries to get us to go its way. We need correction in our lives. We need direction in our lives. Sometimes we come to a crossroads and we don't know what to do. We have a whole host of of young men and women right now that are kind of at a crossroads. They're about to finish school and what do I do next? Where do I go next? And what do I do? We need direction. And also we need protection. And all of it is here. But the, the sad thing is we treat it like unused gift cards. It's there. It's laying there. But it's of no value if I don't pick it up and I begin to read and go through and find these precious promises and cash them in and say, Lord, I see you in your word that you will give me direction, I pray. Give me direction. Show me where to go. Show me what to do. Lord, I need your protection. 
Lord, I, I don't know what to think about this, and, and I just I feel this way, and I think this way. Correct me if I'm wrong, and you begin to go and you find what God says in His Word. And you know what's even sadder than that? When you think about unused Bible promises. That is not receiving the greatest gift that we read about today. That is the Lord Jesus. God with us. Emmanuel. Who's come to save us from our sin. I said in the earlier message in this series that the Christmas story is since it's an incredible story, but it's really a rescue story. That's what it is. And even, I think, more sad than, than unused promises is, is not receiving the greatest gift. That is the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You know, the Bible is very clear that there is a gulf. There is a separation between us and God. Why? Because we've sinned. God is holy. He cannot tolerate our sin. Our sin must be dealt with. Our, our sin must be judged. Our sin must be accounted for. Our sin must be paid for. And we're dead in our sin. We can't do anything to save ourselves. And so there's this great gulf that is separating us from a holy God. We're sinful. He's not. We can't come to Him because of our sin. And that's why we have Christmas. See, that, that's God robing Himself in flesh because only a human could die for me because I'm a human. Only a human could die for you because you're a human. But not just any human would do. I can't die for you. You can't die for me because I've got sin. You've got sin. We can't die for each other. We need a sinless sacrifice, a sinless substitute. And that's where the cross comes in. Because you've got to remember, as, as much as we love the nativity story, as much as we love the nativity sets, and we love these things, God, the Lord Jesus himself, is no longer a little baby in a manger. He's no longer a toddler toddling along. He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. He's alive forevermore. He reigns forevermore. He's coming again. And one day we'll stand before Him. And the only way that we're going to make it from here to heaven is through Him, through the cross. The Bible is very clear that he, when He died, He was not dying for His sin. He knew no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so when he shed that precious blood on the cross, he was paying for our sin. But we must receive this gift. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't pay for it. All of our good deeds and righteous are filthy rags. All we can do is receive it by faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I say today, if you've never received the greatest gift, that is eternal life through Christ. You say, well, preacher, how do I receive it? You believe. You believe. You can express it in a simple prayer. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I know I can't save myself. I don't want that sin anymore. That's the way I know how Lord, I turn from that sin. Take it away from me. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus is alive right now. I believe that He is the Savior. I give you my life. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And I can tell you, based upon the authority of the Word of God, if you truly believe on Him, you will be saved. The greatest gift ever.
Now I know I'm speaking to a lot of Christians today. And I want to give you a lesson and then we're done. We're going to be through. In fact, I'll give you an early Christmas gift. I'll let you out a few minutes early. All right? One more lesson is this. Did you notice in these messages that were brought to Joseph, every time Joseph received one, he obeys and does what he's told. I'll be honest with you, I think we make things a lot harder than they need to be. We're just masters at making things harder than they need to be. What would our lives be like if we simply read the Word of God, understood what God said we needed to do, and obeyed? Not rationalize, not analyze, not try to figure it out, just obey. Just do what we're told to do. That's a wonderful approach to the Word of God. You come to the Word of God, you realize it's the Word of God, I'm going to read the Word of God, and I'm going to listen and see, and when God the Holy Spirit points out something He wants me to do, I say, yes, Lord, and I do it. That's what Joseph did. That's what we should do. He speaks. We obey. It's that simple. Because here's the great news. In our own strength, we can't do it. But not only does He tell us what to do, He helps us to do it. Praise be to His name. Let's bow together. Your head is bowed. Your eyes are closed. Invitation is real simple today. Do you need to receive the greatest gift? The Lord Jesus Christ. You can do it where you're seated. You can come down during the closing hymn. If you have further questions, you can come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Larry. Other members of our church would love to talk with you. We'd love to talk to you about the gospel. That's the invitation to receive Christ. Secondly, for those who know Christ, what is God speaking to you about right now? Maybe this past week He's spoken to you about something. Here's the question. Are you going to obey and do it or not? Simple invitation today. Do you need Christ? Come receive Him. Has God told you to do something, believer? Go and do it. Father, we love you today. We praise you today. We give you glory today. Work and move in our hearts. Help us to honor you. Lord, if anybody's here who doesn't know you, may this be the moment where they receive Christ. For a believer who right now may be just resisting your working, may they surrender right now and say, Lord, yes, help me to do what you've told me to do. Get glory to yourself, O God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn, 192, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Again, the altar is open. You come if you need to. Pastor Larry will be here. I'll be here. Others will be glad to talk with you. If you want to just come and pray on your own, you just come and kneel right here. This is your time to do business with God, all right? 192, let's stand and sing. You step out. Step out. God is leading you, all right?